if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them, and we'll be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, which is near the middle of your Bible, um, after Psalms and Proverbs. Um, let me just get this right. Okay. We're continuing our series in Ecclesiastes, which is called A Meaningful Life. And um, the, we said at the outset that, the, that Ecclesiastes is going to be the story of one man, uh, Solomon, and his, his search for meaning. And so we said he, he took his life and basically turned it into an experiment to try and find meaning uh, in this world. And he, said, and, uh, he says, I'm trying to find meaning under the sun. And when he says under the sun, he, he's talking about life on earth, he's you know, beyond the sun would be where God is. And so looking for meaning under the sun is looking for meaning just in the, the natural world that you can, that you can see and, and touch. And he said right, right at the beginning of the book, it's meaningless. It's, it's like trying to grab onto smoke uh, is actually what the word is that he used. And so, we're, um, and so we hinted, this was two weeks ago, we hinted that, well, maybe if there's no meaning to be found, um, under the sun, we need to look beyond the sun for meaning. And then, and then last week and this week and next week are, um, are basically um, Ecclesiastes digging into, digging deeper into the experiments, the experiments that he tried uh, in his life to try and find meaning. So I have the bag of chocolate. Everyone's listening. Uh, so last week, we, uh, we looked at how Solomon tried to find meaning in what? With, I can't give it to my dad. <laughs> That's, you're exempt. <laughs> okay, awesome. Okay, I got, I got one more question. Um, last week... Wes, Wes said, there's a, a great equalizer between the wise and the foolish. What is that great equalizer? Was it, were you going to say death? Yeah? Were you actually? Okay, I'll, I'll get, next time I'll clarify the procedures and we'll use a hand raise. How about that? Okay. So that's, uh, so that's last week. Last week, is, he, he tried to find meaning in wisdom. Next week is going to be how he tried to find meaning in success. You're going to want to be here. We have a guest preacher named Caleb Wolf. Ah. <laughs> so uh, wisdom, success, and then um, this week is it's, it's pleasure. So it'll be interesting. Um, yeah, so, so let's take a look at our, our passage, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Uh, I'll read it, and it'll be on the screen as well. So he says, he says, I said to myself, come, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this too was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? After much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine, and while still seeking wisdom, I clutched at foolishness. In this way, I tried to experience the only happiness most people find during their brief life in this world. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. 
I built reservoirs to collect the water and to irrigate my many flourishing groves. I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. I also owned large herds and flocks, more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women, and had many beautiful concubines. I had everything a man could desire, so I became greater than all who lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed me. Anything I wanted I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. A few years ago, in, in 2011, there was an episode of, um, of the show Parks and Recreation, where two of the characters celebrated a yearly tradition, and they, it was a day every year where they celebrated what they called Treat Yourself Day. And Treat Yourself Day is kind of exactly what you would think. It's a day that they set aside, and, and they said, on this day every year, we're just gonna, we're gonna splurge. We're gonna... Um, we're going to pursue whatever, you know, whatever desires we have, whatever consumerist sort of just, we're going to spoil ourselves. And so in, in the episode, they, are, uh, they go shopping, the, the two characters, and they're trying on these expensive clothes that they don't need. And, you know, the one character, she's like, I, I want to buy this, but it's, it's, it's impractical. It doesn't go with anything I, I own. I, I don't need it. It's very expensive. And the guy's like, treat yourself. And so she buys it, and, and then they kinda, she kind of does the same thing when he tries on his outfit, and uh, they wind up kind of drawing one of their coworkers into this tradition, and he doesn't, he doesn't really like shopping for clothes, and so he doesn't get into that part, but they, but they find out that he's really into like comics and stuff, and so uh, they wind up convincing him to buy a replica Batman costume, because that's, that's like what his heart desired, that how he, that's how he would treat himself. And so, uh, be, because we have the internet, things like these, like, they become a thing, right? And so, it's like, every, the, the episode aired on October 13th, and every year now on October 13th, like, if you go on Twitter, you'll find people saying, hey, don't forget to treat yourself today, and they're going out, and, they, and they're doing it. They, people actually celebrate Treat Yourself Day, and um, because, because I guess there's something in us that says, you know what? There should be a day when I treat myself. That makes a lot of sense. And so here, here's Solomon now, and he, and he says, like he doesn't have a treat yourself day. He has like a treat yourself decade. <laughs> he, he takes like 10, 15, maybe 20 years of his life, and he says, he, he says in verse 10, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. He says, I, 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 I didn't manage to find meaning in wisdom, so then... I said, why not try pleasure? Why not see if I can find meaning, find satisfaction, just, just by treating himself? Um, and so, and so that's, he's basically recapping that journey for us. Now, it's a, not a super complicated passage. He basically, um, like we said, it's kind of an experiment. It's the record of an experiment. And so he gives us the list of the things he tried, and then he gives us some conclusions. And so we'll just, we'll walk through it quickly. Let me, let me walk you through the list that he gives us. Uh, so, he's, 
So he says, yeah, the shopping list. He says, verse 3, after much thought, I decided to cheer myself with wine. Okay, so the first thing on his list is alcohol. He, he says, I'm, I'm going to go, you know, bring in the finest wine and indulge in that. Um, verses 4 and 5, he says, I also tried to find meaning by br- building huge homes for myself and by planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. So I'll call, I called this category home and garden. He, sa- he says, I'm going to take, I'm going to build, uh, in his case, he, it's literally, he, he built a palace, and we have the record of that in 1 Kings. It took him 13 years to build his palace. Um, by contrast, it only took him seven years to build the temple where God lives. Just, that's a bad sign, right? Like, anyways, so, so he had this amazing palace, uh, probably the best in the world at, at the time. It was uh, beautiful cut stone and cedar architecture. And so he, he says, I'm going to enjoy the pleasure of, of building a nice home, having nice gardens. Uh, next, verse 7, he says, I bought slaves, both men and women, and others were born into my household. And so I, I call this area convenience. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But he's got a big personal staff. It probably numbered in the hundreds or even thousands of people who their job was to make sure he had what he wanted. Uh, uh, verse, second part of verse 7, he says, I also owned large herds and flocks more than any of the kings who had lived in Jerusalem before me. Now he's talking here, he's, he's talking about animals and he's not talking about pets. He's talking about food. Okay? Wisest man who ever lived figured out it's better to eat animals than feed them. <laughs> I'm just, that's horrible. I shouldn't have said that. We'll edit that out of the recording. He's, but he's talking about these animals that he's got, and he's got them for food. And so we, I'll actually, I'll read to you from 1 Kings, which has the record of how much meat that Solomon's household ate. So Solomon, his staff, and his family every day ate. This is written down. This is in the Bible. This is just the meat. Ten oxen from the fattening pens, 20 pasture-fed cattle, 100 sheep or goats, as well as deer, gazelles, roe deer, and choice poultry. So, so they're like, every day, they're like wiping out a small herd of animals just to feed everybody. Now, if you've, if you've ever hosted a dinner, you know that, you know, the, the part that really gets you is the protein. Like, that's the, like, protein's expensive. And he's saying, I'm, I, I got all the life. I'm not living like a rice and beans kind of life. Okay, he says, I'm having steak, I'm having barbecue, I'm having fried chicken, I'm like wrist deep in gravy all the time. That's, and so he's enjoying the pleasure of like the richest food that's available uh, uh, at his, in his time. Uh, verse 8 continues, I hired wonderful singers, both men and women. Uh, and so the, the, next, the next, yeah, there's two. And, and I had many beautiful concubines. That's, that's the two th- other things in verse 8. And so entertainment. He says, I hired uh, wonderful singers. And so they didn't, like music was a huge luxury back then. You know, they didn't have iPods. And so if you wanted music, you had to get the singer in the room. And so he's like, I, he's like, I, I had singers, male singers, plural, and female singers, plural, on staff at, you know, at my house. 
they, you know, he's throwing a party and he's like, do you guys hear the new Coldplay? And they're like, no. And he like hollers down the hallway and Coldplay comes out and they just sing at the party. Like he's, so he's got, he's got singers on staff, so entertainment and then, and then to finish off the list is, uh, is sex, sexual pleasure. He says, I had many beautiful concubines. We, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. Uh, that's a female servant that you get to have sex with, not something the Bible affirms. Um, but he had, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. He says here they're beautiful, and, and we learn in 1 Kings that they're, um, many of them are foreign, and so he's, he's, got, he's got beautiful women from all over the world. I don't know if he, like, I don't know how he found them all, but he's gathered them all. They're in his house, uh, a thousand women, and, and they're, they're available to him. And so he gives us this list of the pleasures that he pursued. Uh, and, and like, it's kind, of, it's kind of the kind of list that you expect when someone says they pursued pleasure, right? It's not like I pursued the pleasure of Christian fellowship. It's, no, it's, and what's crazy about this list is it's, is how modern it is, right? Like, like we, we think we're really sophisticated nowadays, but here's like this 3,000-year-old list, and he's like, I tried it, it didn't work, and here we are 3,000 years later, and we're still trying the same things, right? And so he, he gives us his list, and then he gives us his, his reflections on it. He gives us his conclusion, and he says it in both uh, verse 1 and 11 that it's meaningless. He says, uh, verse 1, uh, let us, let's try pleasure. Let's look for the good things in life, but I found that this too was meaningless. And then down at the end in verse 11, he says, but as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. He says it's meaningless, and again, that word in Hebrew is hevel, which means it's, it's like smoke. It's like trying to, trying to find meaning and pleasure is like trying to grab onto smoke, he says. And we modern people chase the same things, and I think our experience would tell us he's right. We modern people chase the s- same things, and, and like... Like Solomon chased these things all, all the way, you know, he, he chased them 100%. He's got all this money, all this wealth, all this power. He chased them all the way. Now, we're getting to a point in our society where we're almost catching up to Solomon, okay, where, where we can chase these pleasures to a degree where it's like if, if Solomon chased them 100%, we're at like 85 90% on some of them. You know, like, like, Alcohol, people still chase alcohol the exact same way. Um, uh, home and garden, right? We live in this, this insane time when it's actually normal to like have a nice house, like for an average citizen. Um, that, maybe that's going away now. No one can afford it. Anyways. Um, convenience, like, like he had slaves. Okay, now we don't have slaves, but, but man, like we... We receive service every day, right? And we love it. We love the different conveniences. Like, like Solomon, if he wanted to send you a message, he would send a messenger. He would send one of his servants. Uh, we have that too. It's called Siri. 
right? And so it's, it's a different form of, of the same thing. And like he would, if he wanted breakfast, he would like say the word and his cook would, on staff, his cook on staff would like prepare his breakfast. And I did that this morning. It just happened to be at a McDonald's window. But it's the same, I said the word, 60 seconds later, I had my McMuffin. So, it's this, so and we love, we gather, we gather convenience around us. Food, uh, speaking of my Egg McMuffin, right? Food, same thing. We, people still chase food in the same way. Entertainment, I think we might have Solomon beat in that area. He's like, he's like, I got a few singers in my house, and we're like, I have every song ever in my pocket. So we, we might actually have him beat, and then, and then sex, same thing, right? Technology has changed that a little bit for some people too, but people still chase after that in the same way. And so for a lot of us, t- today we've got this, we're, we're still pursuing the same pleasures, and, and we've gotten uh, farther in pursuing these pleasures than most human beings throughout history. We, we haven't all the way caught up to Solomon, but we're getting close um, because of our, our wealth, because of our technology. And I think in our society, we're starting to get to a point where our experience is, is starting to show that, that he was right. It's starting to show that, uh, that no matter how much we pursue these things, we're, it doesn't make us happier. There's a book um, by Greg Easterbrook called The Progress Paradox, and the subtitle is How Life Gets Better while people feel worse. And he argues in that book that, that over the last 50, 7,500 years, uh, we've accumulated more and more and more of everything except happiness. We've, we've dramatically improved our quality of life, but we're, n- not, uh, we're not happier. So Solomon pursues pleasure uh, all the way to the end, and he says it's meaningless. And, we're per- and we as a society pursue pleasure, and, and we're getting close, and we're starting to see that uh, he, it seems like he might be right. It's not making us happier. Now, we could conclude that pleasure, uh, that pleasure is outright meaningless, that it's not helpful, maybe that it's bad, um, we, we could draw that conclusion. It almost seems like that's where this passage is going. Um, but I'm going to actually argue for the reverse here. And so, and so his pleasure was meaningless. It didn't satisfy. Um, but I'm going to argue that, um, that actually pleasure is an important part of a meaningful, vibrant Christian life and that the problem here is just that he has understood pleasure wrongly, or he's pursued pleasure wrongly. In verse 11, let me, let me read you verse 11 again, and, and uh, I'll give it to you in another translation. This is the NIV. It says, um, it says uh, everything was meaningless, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had told to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. That phrase doesn't show up in the New Living. Under the sun. Now remember, that phrase in Ecclesiastes defines the scope, right? So he's, so he's saying, I look for meaning in pleasure everywhere under the sun. 
What he's saying when he says under the sun is I, per- I pursued pleasure uh, in a way that gave no regard to God. Okay, I, I, re- I pursued a, a godless pursuit of pleasure and that, wi- and that wound up failing to satisfy. But what about a godly pursuit of pleasure? Is there such a thing? I'm going to argue that there is. And, uh, and I'm going to give... I'm going to give us uh, four, four principles for a godly pursuit of pleasure. Okay, and the first principle is this. We're going we're to jump around a little bit. First principle is this. For, for a godly pursuit of pleasure is recognize that pleasures are gifts from God. Recognize that pleasures are gifts from God. Um, so later on, he, he talks about uh, some other stuff uh, in this passage talks about wisdom, talks about work. And then in verse 24, he kind of has this concluding statement where he says, So I decided there is nothing better to enjoy food, better than to enjoy food and drink and to find satisfaction in work. Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. These pleasures are from the hand of God. Now here he's talking specifically about food. Uh, food, drink, and work, but I think it would pl- apply if we dug into Scripture that all the pleasures that he's listed are from the hand of God. The pleasures that we enjoy in life are gifts from God. That's, that's really important to grasp. Uh, too often, the church has had a reputation as being anti-pleasure. If you're having fun, we're judging you, right? We're, 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 uh, we're, we're looking down our nose. We're, oh, we're too, you know, that, oh, you're enjoying yourself? That's, that's unholy. That's, uh, we shouldn't. And, and the church has had this bad reputation for that. And so, and so as our starting point, I want to say uh, with, with the teacher, uh, these pleasures are from the hand of of God, that God actually uh, gifts us with pleasure, with the things that we enjoy in life, uh, so that we can enjoy them. And so it's not a sin to enjoy the good gifts that God has given us. It's not a sin to enjoy the gifts, the good gifts that God has given us. That's foundational. Uh, But principle two we need to enjoy these pleasures according to God's design. Because if I say it's not a sin to enjoy these pleasures, you, you probably immediately have five you know, Bible verses in your mind that say, well, what about this? What about this? There are lots of times in the Bible where, where the Bible wants to, um, wants to make a prohibition and say, no, you can't do this, you can't do, can't do that, right? Um, I, I want to argue that I want to argue that it's not a sin to enjoy the, the good gifts that God uh, gives us, but it's a sin to enjoy them wrongly. And so the Bible, um, here, here's, where I, here's where my in, email inbox fills up. Like the Bible never says it's a sin to enjoy alcohol. The Bible does say it's a sin to be a drunkard. The Bible never says it's a sin to uh, enjoy the pleasure of sex. It just says it's a sin to enjoy it outside of marriage. 
And so if the church has got a reputation for, um, for um, being anti-pleasure, anti-enjoyment, it's because people have misunderstood these, these rules. Um, but if we understand that, that pleasures uh, are good gifts from God and that he wants to enjoy them, then it changes how we view these rules and maybe we can view these rules more as saying, more in a way where we say, maybe God actually wants us to enjoy them more. Maybe God wants us to enjoy them more. Maybe the, the commands of God aren't God saying, I don't want you to experience pleasure, but rather let me help you experience these, experience these gifts to the full. It's like, um, it's like if I... Maybe this is dumb. It's like if I went to a nice restaurant and I, got a, and I ordered a nice meal. Say I ordered lobster. And the, the, the waiter comes out, he brings the lobster, and he says, the, the chef has prepared a lovely, um, a trio of seasoned butters. And so there's a, whatever, there's a, a butter that's got some sage in it, and there's a butter that's got whatever, right? Like, he's got these different, and, and he recommends that you take a piece and dip it in the, you know when they, when they do that, when they like, the, the chef recommends how to enjoy this food, okay? I don't always eat at McDonald's. <laughs> what if the waiter were to say that to me and I were to say, uh, can I get some ketchup? I like my lobster with ketchup. And he's, and he's, like, he's like, oh, we have a house-made uh, tomato aioli or something. I'm like, no, like Heinz ketchup. I wouldn't, be, I, I wouldn't be enjoying the pleasure of that meal the way that the chef designed it to be enjoyed, okay? Are, are we on board with that? Do you understand what I'm saying? And, and what, what I'm trying to argue is if we believe that God is on our side, that he wants us, that he gives us pleasures as, uh, as good gifts because he loves us and he wants to enjoy them, then the way we view the rules changes. It's, it's not... It's not God like swatting our hand away and being like, don't enjoy that. It's him saying, hey, here's how you enjoy this best. I know, I created it. Let me help you enjoy it. Uh, So um, recognize that pleasures are gifts from God. Enjoy these pleasures according to God's design. Um... Thirdly, receive these pleasures with thankfulness. One of the things you notice in our, in our passage for today is he says, under the sun, uh, I'm looking for pleasure under the sun with no, no regard to God. And a lot of regard to himself, actually. Like, he's, he's not thanking God for these pleasures. He's actually taking credit for, for the good things he enjo- enjoys in his life, right? He says, uh, the word I actually occurs in every verse in this passage. I said to myself, come on, let's tr- try pleasure. I tried to find meaning by building huge homes. And on and on and on. He's, he's saying, this, this is me. I, I earned it. I, there's, there's no trace of thankfulness to God. Um, a counterexample would be something like 1 Corinthians 10 verses 30 to 31. Um, yeah. If you look in the context of 1 Corinthians, 
um, chapter 10, it's a passage about how you can, um, how you can eat a steak as a, an act of worship. I, I've heavily underlined that passage. <laughs> Why do I keep talking about food? So it says, it, this is kind of the climax of his argument. He says, if I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And so he's, he's, talk, like he's, not, talking, he's not talking here about, about you know, doing church for the glory of God, doing evangelism for the glory of God. He's talking about eating and drinking for the glory of God. By the way, this is why we pray before we eat, um, in case you were wondering. And so, and so part of a right enjoyment of the good gifts of God is acknowledging that, uh, acknowledging that God gave them to, to us, right? They're, they're gifts, we acknowledge the giver. And then fourthly, um, so, so recognize that the pleasures are gifts from God. Enjoy these pleasures according to God's design. Receive these pleasures with thankfulness. And then uh, fourth, and this is related to the last one, Worship God and not pleasure. Worship God and not pleasure. One of the dangers um, when we enjoy any, any of God's good gifts, uh, any of the things that are, that are listed there in Solomon's list, um, or, or anything that God has created, is that we can start to worship the gift as if the gift was God. Paul talks about this in Romans 1. He says... Um, He's describing people who have forsaken God and, and turned to sin. He says, Romans 1.25, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Where, where people can say, where people can say, um, I, I, my life doesn't revolve around God. My affection doesn't first go to God. Um, my devotion, my resources, my time don't first go to God. They go to, you know, in, in Solomon's case, like Sol this is exactly what Solomon did, right? Where he said, he, he said, I'm gonna dedicate all my time and resources to this particular thing that God has created rather than to him. Pleasures are not your God, God is. Alcohol or food or your, your nice house or whatever are not your savior, Jesus is. And so the top spot belongs, belongs to God. And then, um, and then related to this, as we think about worshiping God and not pleasure, um, the, the last thing to note is God is the greatest pleasure. And so, really, I think that God gave us all of, of the things that we enjoy in life uh, in order to point us to him, in, in order to make us fall more in love with him. Um, and, so, and so, part of uh, experiencing pleasure in a godly way is, is saying, do I, do I experience, um, do I take pleasure in God? And so, uh, Ecclesiastes 3.11, we've mentioned it a couple times, says he has set, uh, he has planted eternity in the human heart. That God actually designed us um, to enjoy um, him. 
to enjoy him. That was our scripture reading for today, right? Um, Psalm 63, I'll just get it here. Psalm 63 is God saying, or is David saying, God, I enjoy you uh, more than anything else. I take pleasure in you more than anything else. He says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. Your unfailing love is better than uh, alcohol, a a nice house, convenience, uh, entertainment, food, sex. Your love, God, is better than that. And so the question becomes a question of our... um, of how we rank our values. Do, do we take our most delight in God himself or just in the things he gives us? If we, can, if we can worship God, if we can remember that he's the giver of the gifts and if we can enjoy, uh, enjoy those gifts um, in, uh, in accordance with the design of God and with thankfulness to God, then I think it's possible that we can experience, um, experience enjoyment, experience pleasure in a way that is godly, God-honoring, and ultimately meaningful. Um, I, I quoted C.S. Lewis a couple weeks ago, but, I, but I'll, I'll do it again here as we close. C.S. Lewis says, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward promised in the Gospels, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We're far too easily pleased. And so may we enjoy the good gifts of God and may we above all enjoy and worship the giver of those gifts, God himself. And so we're gonna uh, transition into uh, communion now. We're, if the greatest pleasure uh, uh, is God itself, then uh, God himself, then we have this fantastic story where, where Jesus came and died for us so that we could have that. Okay, do you understand? So that we could have the joy, the pleasure of being in relationship with God Jesus came and died for us. We've just this, this week entered into um, the Lent season where we prepare ourselves for Easter, which is all about remembering uh, that Jesus died for us and rose again. And so we're gonna take some time today uh, to remember that Jesus died and rose again. Let me, let me uh, read to you from 1 Corinthians. Paul writes, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, You are announcing the Lord's death 
until he comes again. And so let me uh, invite up those who are serving communion. I'll invite up the worship team as well. And we, we invite all those who understand the meaning of communion, confess Jesus Christ as Lord in word and life, are accountable to their congregation, and are living in right relationship with God and others to participate in communion today. We're gonna have you come up to the front today, and so uh, we got two tables, and so you can, um, the band's gonna be playing, and you can, you can sing along if you like, or just listen. You can come down that aisle and that aisle, um, to the table, receive your bread and cup, and then you can file back through these three aisles. Um, no, need, no need to wait. Um, we're not gonna instruct you on when to uh, eat and drink. Just do that in your own time. If you're, if you're here with someone, you can do it together with them, or maybe even if you wanna meet your neighbor and partake together with them, you can do that as well. Let me just, uh, let me just pray. God, we... Um, we thank you. We, we take time during this season of the year to remember that you sent your son to die for us so that we could have the pleasure and the joy of being in relationship with you so that we would not have to uh, just chase after um, things in this world that would, that would wind up being meaningless and empty and would not satisfy us. And so would you allow us um, to be more deeply satisfied in you? Would you allow us to um, enjoy you and take pleasure in you and, and allow us uh, on this day um, to celebrate and remember well your death um, for our sins, Jesus, and the fact that you rose again as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.